You know, there are times when you look at a team and just think, man, this organization is miles ahead of everyone else. God, they've just got it figured out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chicago has been a team like that in the past. You know who else has been? The Los, the Angeles, Los Angeles Kings. Kings. And I'll <laughs> tell you when I was really thinking, wow, this team is on it. No wonder they win it all. It was 2014, and it wasn't just because they had just won their second Stanley Cup in three years. It was because two years earlier, after winning it in 2012, they draft Tanner Pearson, Mm -hmm. 30th overall, last pick in the first round. The pick you get if you win the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. Two years later, he is a solid contributor. I think on the Jeff Carter line, I want to say with Toffoli, right? Yep. Speaking of, hey, they found this Pearson guy. They found Toffoli. You just looked at L.A. and thought, man, they know how to do things. They're finding guys that other people have passed over. Now these young guys are going to replace the core that's driving it eventually. And it just seemed like they were set to rule for a while. Sunny days have given way to something much, much different. They are the worst team in the NHL today. There's no two ways about it, especially when you consider there's no Jonathan Quick now. There's no Jack Campbell now, who is your backup. I mean, the goaltending position is is a wasteland in L.A. right now. And the contracts that they've got committed to a lot of these guys, too. Dustin Brown's contract is a really bad one, almost $6 million for a few more years. Jeff Carter's deal is actually not a bad one, which makes me wonder if there's a trade in the future for this guy, because you got to look for who's a player that other teams are going to want and that has a contract that is movable for us. I wonder if that's something they consider. Honestly, Kopitar is making $10 million a year, but he's your best player, your your best forward. Certainly, Drew Doughty doesn't start his contract until next season, but there's a lot of these guys that are locked in for a long time. They just signed Ilya Kovalchuk in the summer. I can't imagine that one's going to turn out very well in the end. It's hard to see how the Kings get out from under some of these contracts and move their team to become a quicker unit and one that is better situated to perform in today's NHL. Well, we are going to get into the Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin, Pittsburgh, L.A. swap. Break it down on both sides. You got a sample of what's going on in L.A. there. It's not exactly happy times these days in Pittsburgh as well. Also on the Tape to Tape pod today, Injury Armageddon time, Rory. Man, the bodies are dropping. Some really key players banged up for very prominent teams. So we'll take a a spin around there and give a little guide to the infirmary right now, which is a little too packed for our taste. We're also going to play a game of Would You Rather with some help from the Sportsnet.ca newsroom. Some voices dropping into. Put some questions to you and I that uh, we have not yet been uh, exposed to. And we're going to give you our answers on the fly. And I think we're also going to talk about, I don't know if we'd say a passing of the torch, but some kind of symbolic elevation, something in terms of the best line in hockey, Colorado. The trio there has been making its case for a while, so but uh, man, so put good. them. They recently went head to head with the boys in Boston and came out looking really good. So we're going to chat about that. But let's go back to this trade. Um, you mentioned, you know, things not great in LA. Haglin's funny. He's also kind of representative of the Pittsburgh resurgence, right? They got him in that year. Yep. 
in advance of winning the Stanley Cup when we thought maybe they they weren't going to win any HBK more. line. Yeah, HBK <laughs> line. Um, really, really fast player and in that way was representative of what that team was successful with, right? Just move the puck up. Just yep. move the puck up. Just move the puck up and go. Um, I guess if you're Pittsburgh, you just think there's always a, a pretty decent chance a player like Pearson can unlock something playing alongside Melkin or Crosby. He's younger. They're just hoping he can get it back. That's what this comes down to. I mean, Jim Rutherford in the media before this trade happened, like called out his team. And he, the only guy he named by name was Daniel Sprong, who is a rookie on this team. Second round draft pick, very high expectations, and he's playing on the fourth line. But the rest of the guys, he just mentioned guys that have won cups here or signed contracts here and kind of have forgotten what got them to this point. Guys who are playing for contracts, which Hagelin is trying to maybe score more or do things differently to earn a paycheck rather than play their games that have have made them successful. And ultimately moving Hagelin to Los Angeles, it's a real statement because he was loved in that Pittsburgh Penguins room by all accounts. Everything that the yeah. players are saying now, I mean, if you move Daniel Sprung, it's not going to have that same kind of ripple in the dressing room because he's so fresh. He's so new to that room. But Hagelin has been part of cups there. He's been part of a big line there. He's their second most used penalty killer. We all know about his speed. He won the uh, fastest skater competition as a rookie in 2012 at the All-Star Game. That's something that the Kings really, really need. I mean, they're, they are a slow, slow, slow team. So they're going to get some more speed in Carl Hagelin. They have a terrible penalty kill, so they're going to get some help from Carl Hagelin there. But I think Los Angeles' biggest need right now is goal scoring. They are the lowest goal scoring team in the NHL averaging just two per game in a league where about 20, 21 teams are averaging three goals a game. And Carl Hagelin's not going to get you that. Like he's lucky if he scores 10 goals. And if you go into that system, I don't think that's going to bring out the best in his offensive game. He was already playing with Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh with Pearson. He's two years removed from scoring 24 goals. He scored 15 last year. He scored 15 the year before he scored 24. He doesn't have one yet this year. I think he's a great bet to put alongside Evgeny Malkin, and he can probably get back to a 15 or 20 goal pace. Like That's a guy who has scored at different levels. He can put the puck in the back of the net. A one-time Barry Colt. A one-time Barry Colt. That, that season with the Colts, I think it was 91 points he got. Like you said, he was twice passed over at the draft. That's what got him onto that radar. I think he played for... Uh, the world junior team that year, if yes. I remember right, too. He just kind of came out of nowhere and onto this radar, and he just really strikes me as a guy who he's got a career shooting percentage around 9 or 10, which is pretty average, but if you put him alongside of Genny Malkin, that's kind of all you need. Rutherford also in the media was talking about how outside of Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel, like nobody else on that Pittsburgh Penguins team is scoring at all. And I think with Pearson, you at least have a fairly good bet that you can find some level of secondary support scoring there. It's a good bet for them to make. Yeah, seems like it. We should mention three-year extension for Jim Rutherford as well. Announced just basically hand-in-hand. With, About an hour uh, before the trade. Yeah, he said the, at, the his, trade. at his availability, there's going to be a trade happening here. I'll yeah. see you guys in an hour. <laughs> so, you, I mean, we talked a bit about the L.A. side. I mean, do you think... From their perspective, Hagelin brings speed, but is he going to be bringing it to another team in February? Do you think this is uh, a flip job, fifth rounder, and and clearing a spot on the books? Yeah, so earlier I was talking about how is L.A. going to manage the cap going forward? How do they get out from underneath some of these cap hits? Well, there was no real salary exchange in this deal. Hagelin makes $250,000 more than Pearson, but the Penguins kept that difference, so... 
it's the same difference, $3.75 million. But this is a great way to get it out from underneath this contract. You either let him walk as a UFA or far more likely is you get towards that trade deadline and you trade him off for a, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth round pick, really whatever you can get for Carl Hagelin, you're going to get, and you're going to clear $3.75 million of salary cap space to move forward with. LA is already right up against the cap, one of the highest spending teams in the league. So this is just a nice opportunity to shed a guy who wasn't performing very well, maybe help your teams to some degree in the interim. But when it comes down to it, I think this is going to be a draft pick pickup for them. So, some of the bad news circulating around the league related to injuries does come out of Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby, always attention grabbing when you hear he's going to miss a game. Um, definitely not great news. Hopefully not that severe as we're speaking. We don't, you know, really know the extent of things, but it's being not a concussion. Is, that's the only thing that's been okay. confirmed by the team is it's not a concussion. It's an upper body injury, but it's not his concussion. So that, thank goodness. That is good to hear. Andre Vasilevsky sounds like a broken foot is going to put him on the sidelines for a long time. Sustained in practice. Ah, uh, that hurts. That hurts. Victor Arvidsson, broken thumb, looking like six to eight. Uh, Zidane Chara, we haven't really heard anything as of yet, but if you've seen the footage of his knee kind of wobbling as he goes into the boards in Colorado, good. did not look great. We've got a few others there to rhyme off as well. What have you got? Tobias Reeder for the Edmonton Oilers is going to be out. I mean, that's a bit of a depth one, but that's, I mean, the Oilers can't afford to lose depth, right? That's, that's something that they are lacking in right now. They they need some of the scoring. I, I look at some of these and I wonder who's the next team going to be to make a trade in, in the NHL and do any of these injuries kind of spur somebody to do something like some of these aren't very long term like Crosby it sounds like it's going to be about a week you're going to get Derek Broussard back at some point Thomas Hurdle also missing a game for the San Jose Sharks it might be more than one game that he misses but it's not going to be a long-term thing that probably doesn't move San Jose into the trade market necessarily but Andre Vasilevsky yeah like you can't move forward with Louis Domingue as your goalie if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning that's hard to swallow so I wonder if this pushes them into the goaltending market there are a couple teams out there holding three goalies philadelphia and, and carolina like curtis mclenny is going to be moving to another team at some point in this season i have to imagine peter morazic i mean none of these guys you feel all that great about but i think they're all better than louis Deming uh is and uh, you know i look at a team like anaheim which to this point has been just banged up like crazy they're missing guys all over the place They've got to be moving into the trade market here at, at some point, too, I think. And I just think with all these injuries happening all at once, there are a lot of teams looking at their situations, especially if a guy's going to be out for three or four weeks, and they need to fill these holes. And I think this is going to get those trade calls moving a little bit. Maybe we're going to see a move. There were uh, 10 trades between the start of the season and November 30th last season, or two that were of significance, the uh, Matt Duchesne trade and the Adam Henrique trade between New Jersey and Anaheim. So we've had one kind of trade, probably not on either of those levels with the Pittsburgh no. LA, but you wonder with William Nylander hanging out there still without a contract teams that are underperforming, what kind of happens here? I think there's going to be at least another one or two here in the next two weeks. PK Subban also out. We should PK mention. Subban. Yeah. So PK Subban it's, it's day to day. Again, that's not a long-term injury. Nashville's defense has been a little underwhelming to this point in the season, so it stinks to lose him, but at least it's not long-term. 
All right, I want to run something by you. There's been some chatter in these parts recently about the possibility of an expanded playoff format. Chris Johnson reported last week that there's the potential of some owners or executives, you can set me straight exactly, that have asked about a playoff format. With expansion, can there be increased teams? It's it's not, I know it's getting reported, it's not getting widespread support. It's not getting widespread attention. We like what we have. We think it's working very well. And I'm not a fan of diluting the regular season, which has incredible races down to the wire by adding more teams. There are a couple of owners, a couple of GMs, a couple of coaches who think it would be great. Yes. Because, but you know what? So some have suggested a one-game play-in. I guarantee you that if the eighth team that otherwise would get to play a seven-game series gets knocked out by a hot goaltender on a one-game play-in, that team is going to be really unhappy that the ninth and tenth teams had an opportunity to do that. I understand that. I, I, compl- I agree with you on that. The one thing I heard is that someone reached out to me this week and said that they heard the proposal was that's two out of three. There is no proposal. Or just the idea. Okay, so it's possible I'm using the wrong word. No, 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 but I mean, it, you're making it sound like there's this movement out there to do that. There isn't. There are a couple of people who have their own thoughts, which they're entitled to, mm-hmm. but I have no interest, and I don't see any widespread interest in changing what we have. Now, as fans of the Tape to Tape pod know, you and I are both Red Sox fans. We do pay attention to baseball, and I have to say... Since baseball brought about, however long it's been now, three or four years, the one-game wildcard play-in. So, just by way of a reminder, what used to happen is you had your three division winners in each league, and the the best second-place team earned the wildcard. Four teams made it, two best-of-five series to start the playoffs. Now, the three division winners are assured to make, let's call, the real playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the next two best records play in a one-game wildcard play-in game, if we want to call it that, for the right to join, again, the real playoffs. It always kind of felt to me that even though technically you're adding a playoff spot, now technically five teams make the playoffs – it always kind of felt like they took a spot away. And I I do wonder if that's the way I would feel too if the NHL was to go to some model where, you know, six teams make the real playoffs and you're mm-hmm. playing a playoff series and then seed seven, eight, nine, ten play, you know, some kind of best of three or whatever. I mean, I know this is the concern of Bettman as well, is that you don't want to devalue the 82 regular game season. I'm a little torn because I understand it would be freakishly exciting mm-hmm. and the stakes would feel so high, but it would almost feel to me like, well, technically you're adding two more playoff spots, seeds nine and 10. Yep. It's almost like you're taking two away though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really not on board with this. I'm a little torn like you are because it's extra playoff hockey and sure. everybody loves playoff hockey and that's great. But I love the one versus eight matchups where upsets can and do happen all the time. Now that eighth team is going to be coming in having just played two or three games and they're going to be a little bit more tired, especially if they were the team, the way it's proposed, the team that has the better record would host all the games. It's not a back and forth. They would host all the games. So especially if you're the team that's already traveled there, now you're traveling somewhere else and you haven't been home in 
a week or two weeks or whatever it is, you're going to be a little extra tired. So there's even more of an advantage for the number one seed. Now, some people might think that's a good thing. You're extra awarding the team that finishes with the best record. But I'm sitting back and I just want the best, most competitive series from beginning to end. And again, if you get into a one game playoff or a best of three, like one injury can throw a team just all over the place. One unconscious performance by the goalie. Exactly. I I don't like that. I like the best of sevens. It can, you know, the series can ebb and flow in all sorts of different ways. If a guy is injured and misses a game or two, it's not the end of the world necessarily. You'll get him back. I don't like that. I would much rather, if we're talking about things that are never going to happen, I would much rather the NHL go back to the 1-16. One one, to, one to 16, which I would love to see that. Especially with travel the way it is now, yeah. you could probably do it. Yeah, do you think it's the, expensive. The, the league would just never want to devalue the divisions and conferences. Exactly. Though, right? and, and rivalries. Like Part of the reason right. they set it up this way is because they want to get rivalries. You know, you, same teams see each other every year all the time, and that's going to build up, and you're not going to get that as much in a 1-16. to 16. But you will get, more often than not, the best four, yeah. the best two teams that are facing the semis in the Stanley Cup final. more worth it, I would think. I, would I mean, think how many... The, the playoff team... So I remember when the NHL changed its playoff format to the present one. Yep. I was like, oh god, here we go. It's going to be like you know, when I was a kid, it was Boston, Hartford, Montreal, Buffalo every year in the Adams division. What I overlooked is there is more turnover now. So I don't necessarily know that you are kickstarting or entrenching yeah. that many rivalries. Wouldn't you rather be like we got, the, you know, you, you you would end up ideally more, never the same, but more like basketball where you probably know the best teams are going to end up meeting in the final four. Yeah. And hate isn't the same in the NHL today. That's a good point. So like rivalries aren't the same. You're not going out there and punching guys in the face. You're not seeing fights and brawls and all this stuff. It it does get more physical, but it's not the same. We're not talking about rivalries in the same way we were 20 years ago. I would much rather have last year seen Nashville and Winnipeg in the Stanley cup final, the top two seeds, in the entire league yeah. than have Washington and Vegas get to the final. It was, a, it was a great final. There were great stories and everything like that, but I, I want the best teams, and maybe it wouldn't have shaken out that way. Who knows how the matchups would have gone, but it's absolutely impossible for that to have ever happened. It's impossible to ever get a Toronto-Montreal final, and I would love to see a Toronto-Montreal. I think everybody would love to see a Montreal-Toronto final, and, and I think that's something that gets lost a little in the current playoff format. So we would rather keep the playoffs... Uh, at least in terms of the one to eight as they are, maybe we'd rather also see this uh, one to 16 somewhere in the future. But in terms of wild cards and plans, we'll, we'll just kind of keep it as it is on the other side of the break. We're going to find out what else we'd rather the newsrooms putting the questions to us. We're going to see what they have. They're just going to drop them here and uh, we're going to fire away. Stick around for that. Coming up on the other side of the break on tape to tape. When we designed the GMC Sierra, we took inspiration from the Northern Lights. Was it because of the otherworldly sense of awe they impart upon us? Their breathtaking majesty as shining beacons of the tundra. Their energetic dance across the moonlit sky. No. It's because the Northern Lights are bright. And the LED headlights on the GMC Sierra are bright too. Drive Canada like a pro. GMC. We are professional grade. Visit gmccanada.ca for more. Welcome back 
to Take to Take, we are taking you on a journey, dear listener, inside the sportsnet.ca newsroom. We'd like you to meet some of our dear friends there, and uh, they've got some questions for us, so why don't we fire away and see what's on their minds? Would you rather put in the center ice offside or get rid of offside altogether? <sighs> Nerds ruining the game. <laughs> <laughs> that nerd being Jeff Merrick of the 31 Thoughts podcast. Boy, I don't, I don't like either of these ideas, but if I'm having to choose one, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I would get rid of offsides because I like the stretch passes. I like being able to move that, that puck up the ice, and I think if you have the offside at the red line, well, you no longer can have a lead attacker passing that red line and having those outlet passes. There are other advantages. Um, but if this is my choice, I'm going no offsides and just letting chaos reign. Literally no offside. You can leave a forward beside the other team's goalie. If you have an excellent whole, penalty would, kill, maybe that's what you do. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't w- think that happens, though. I wish I could recall the arguments I've heard in favor of putting the two-line pass back in because there are some yep. not even necessarily knuckle draggers Scotty who, Bowman was one yeah, who put say back. like yep. you know what the stretch pass does not do as much for the game um as you as you think and I don't know um I guess I just can't get completely like like you said it's chaos I just yeah. can't I couldn't wrap my brain around no offside so I guess I would go the other way yeah i mean i just that's both of those are too drastic of a change for me i don't like either of them i'm just going with the no offsides because jeff's making me choose which one here. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the game all right let's see what else uh, what other options we have out there what other decisions we got to make would you rather have david pasternak for his current deal or william nylander for slightly more easy david pasternak oh yeah no question about it I mean, that's that's an excellent, excellent contract that he's got there for a long, long time. I think he's a better player than William Nylander. Um, you know, William Nylander, I think there's a debate on if they were on their own, who would be the better line driver? But they're both wingers. Maybe William Nylander moves to center at some point in his career. That's the potential there, but he's not a center yet. I just think David Pasternak, he leads the NHL in goals right now. I think he would be the guy who would be better situated to drive a line on his own if he had to. And that deal is just fantastic. I would rather have him on on a lesser deal. That's that's a no-brainer to me. Yeah. Stevie Long, I think we're both on the same page here. Um, Pasternak, I think I've said it before on the pod. He was my, if I had any guts, I would have picked him to win the Rocket Richard. Like, that was kind of my dark horse guy before the start of the year but i i would not have had uh the courage to to follow through on it and instead you pick a line a or an ovechkin because it's just easier and you don't look like a fool but man good buddies too going back to sweden really good buddies uh when pastor and i came from the czech republic to play uh in sweden i, I mean i he has been playing on that uh fantastic line but hey man it's not like william nylander's been playing with yeah. slugs in in toronto so yeah, I, I have to think, and it's just uh, Nylander's been Nylander's got back-to-back sixty-point seasons. Pasternak's already well past that, and yeah. he's on his way to something even greater this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what else we got in the hopper? Would you rather play for Gordon Bombay or Reggie Dunlop? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> leave googe. it, leave it to it. the googe, the googe. 
I don't even think I can say Mark's last name. I've just always called yeah. him the Gooch. <laughs> Guy, we should point out, we know even from all the way back in our hockey news days mm-hmm. when the Gooch was an intern there. Fantastic, and uh, now man. just a wonderful, colorful addition to the Sportsnet newsroom. Big Isn't Nashville it? Predators fan, too, big, by the big way. Big Preds fan, for sure. I remember seeing him the day after or shortly after the Subban Weber trade. And he is excited as he was for Subban. He was legit a little sad to see Weber go. So this is the kind of thing that will get, get me kicked <laughs> off co-hosting a podcast. Though I am very aware of who both fictional characters are, though I have seen chunks mm-hmm. of both movies... What? I can't actually tell you that um, The Mighty Ducks or Slapshot are movies I'm intimately familiar oh, with. I, I, get have, out. I have good, more, I know more Slapshot than right. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, same. And, you know, I've definitely like the French goalie explaining the penalties. I mean, that's just yeah. sheer brilliance. Yeah. Um, I, Paul Newman's just a cool one of the coolest all time dudes, right? It's got to be Reg Dunlop. <sighs> yeah, I, I think it has to. I mean, he. He was a true leader when that team was going to disintegrate. He was he picked them up by the bootstraps. He made uh, a team that was on its way out an exciting must-watch team. He was a player's player coach. I would have to go with him. Although Gordon Bombay is interesting, he's uh, he <laughs> was forced into coaching, if I remember right, by the court, by the law, <laughs> by the long arm of the law. Yeah, but then he ended up. Being a pretty good coach and took a group of kids who were not very good hockey players and turning them in, into all world players. I think they, I think one of those last movies they end up playing like Team Iceland or something like that. Oh, in the I, finals think, I think I think they went right to uh, right to the that in the sequel. It's been so long since I've watched the Mighty Ducks. I have very spotty remembrances of it. Well, I, what, I'm I'm definitely going to go with with Reg too. And in the in keeping with Reg and his uh, Charlestown Chiefs, I have to say one uh, one hockey movie that I do think gets overlooked that when I saw I, it was just mind blowing, and I recommend to all uh, listeners of a certain age out there, Lay Chiefs. Did you ever see Lay Love Chiefs? Love that. That's great. Oh yeah, man, yeah. the 2004 documentary about a team playing in uh, the se- a semi-pro league in Quebec mm-hmm. that I, I can't say I'm up to the minute on, but at the time was certainly known for being very, very, very rough. Um, uh, uh, a fun, entertaining movie, but also um, a, a serious examination of, like, what's going on here? What mm-hmm. what are these guys being put through? Why are we doing this? And and who are these guys? But, man, some seriously colorful um, colorful tales in that film. Also Lay, shows Lay you, Chiefs. like, yeah, Lay Chiefs. It, it, it shows you guys, like, man, these guys really want to play hockey. Really wanted to. Like, really Absolutely. badly are, are loving this game. and they'll, they'll go through all of this stuff just to keep, keep those them pro up. hopes alive. Yeah. yeah, so it might take a little digging, but see if you can find it on the interweb or you still got a, a video store, DVD store uh, somewhere near you. Go have a look. All right, I think we have one more question from the newsroom. Would you rather have Colorado's top line or Boston's top line? David Singh, mm. noted Yankees fan. If he wasn't such a good guy, he'd be a sworn enemy <laughs> of both of us. You know what? It's a great question. Why don't we answer it on the other side of the break here on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? 
Sportsnet Now is the product for you. Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all of your favorite Sportsnet original programming, and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. We always talk hockey on here, but we got to take a little extra minute and talk more hockey movies. Because in the break, Rory, building off uh, my terrible confession that I really haven't seen Mighty Ducks or Slapshot like over and over like you would think you're supposed to if you're involved in the hockey world. I've also never, just flat, never seen Miracle with mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Russell, which I've heard is actually a pretty good film. But I was blown away to find out you've never seen Youngblood. That one yeah. was a staple of my youth. And I can still remember one of my dad's buddies when it was on one time being like, you got to close your uh, good eye while uh, this spicy scene is on. I'll close my bad eye. <laughs> there, there, uh, you know, there was some a few racy things in, in Youngblood trying to be true to what life for a junior hockey player in Hamilton would have been like Rob Lowe. Mm. Uh, I will tell you, it would seem very dated, but I'm sure. I bet you you'd get a little, uh, a little kick out of it. Patrick Swayze, believable captain of a junior <laughs> hockey team. Keanu Reeves, the absolute worst French accent. He has one line and I think he's a French goalie, actually. Probably the whoever made Youngblood probably saw Slapshot and was like, right. I guess the goalie is is French. And I'm telling you, it's amazing he got work in Hollywood after even just <laughs> delivering this one single line. And notable appearances, uh, cameos by, off the top of my head, Steve Thomas for sure. And I think if we Googled around, we'd find a couple of other uh, soon-to-be NHLers or young NHLers at the time, but I'm pretty sure Stumpy Thomas was in there, but uh, it's one worth worth checking out. I guess I was never exposed to it because I never really was aware of it until I remember in our hockey news days, somebody somebody there, I think, gave me a DVD to watch or told me to watch, and I just never got around to doing it. I still haven't seen it to this I'm day. I'm not saying it's must-watch. I'm right. saying it's gonna when, be you, when you got some time. Well, yeah. We're talking about modern hockey movies. Like You've seen Goon, right? I Goon. haven't, I haven't seen Goon, actually. Crazy. That's crazy to me. So that's a good one. And yeah. it, that's got some cameos from players. They made a Goon 2 as well. And that one was filmed at the Molson Center in Barrie, if I remember correctly. I haven't seen the second one, but the first one is really good. You, you add them up and it's like, because baseball always gets the headlines for, gets the, the credit for being the one, the sport that seems to translate best to movies. Like there seems yeah. to be more good baseball movies. But when you actually start bantering around, even though I haven't seen any of them, apparently... The hockey ones aren't too bad. All right. We promised David Singh we would answer his question, would you rather have Boston's top line or Colorado's top line? Maybe that answer crystallized on uh, Wednesday night when the Colorado trio of Nathan McKinnon between Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog really outshone the aforementioned David Pasternak and his buddies, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. The way this game turned was really interesting to me. Boston was, I thought, all over Colorado for the first period at least, probably the first half of the game, and they had a 3-1 lead at one point. Then Colorado started to chip away at that and the game was 
tied in the third period when the play happened where I think it was the moment Colorado's top line took the mantle, the mantle of best line in hockey away from Boston. Marshawn sends it up and out. Boston up to the end zone. Shielding with his body makes a nice play. Such a veteran defensive move. Ranton got her out of bounds. Here come the ends. A little three on two. Miko to McKenna with a shot. He scores! That was a thing of beauty. That was the go-ahead goal. That was the winning goal. Colorado went on to win the game 6-3. to With that moment, with, with the way the defense played on Pasnack, the way they that Rantanen just made the whole top line look foolish almost, and then how, how clutch that goal was, I think that was the play that was like, okay, these guys are now the best line in hockey. They're the highest scoring line in hockey. Miko Rantanen is the highest point getter in the league right now. The shot differentials... In that game, all all of Colorado's line, top line, were plus players. All of Boston's line, minus Bergeron, were minus players. Bergeron wasn't even. So it was just all up and down. Like, like they were playing a lot against each other when it was a tie game, and the advantage clearly went to Colorado. So no shade at Drake Kajula, but if Edmonton found a a serious LW to put on the line with McDavid and Dreisaitl, maybe they would get in the conversation. Man, watching... Like, if go on anyone's timeline from Tuesday night, all you're going to see is Dreisaitl could have eight goals tonight in the game against Montreal. Yeah, it was crazy. It was unbelievable watching those guys. And, and if they really wanted to, you could put Ryan Nugent Hopkins yeah, back Yeah, I was thinking that. that. No, that's no line. centers, but whatever. What else are you going to do? Who yeah, cares? Of your line. You, you got to wonder how long they're going to stick with that for. Is it just to get them winning again? Is it something they're going to stick with? Because there's a lot of teams around the league now that load up on that first line. I still think you'd rather have two lines, though, that can do like, You I know so. Connor McDavid is going to get his. That's no problem. You you need you need I, Leon Dreisaitl to do it. You need Jesse Pugliarvi to get going, man, really badly. He needs to get a look on Connor McDavid's line. Yeah, I, I have to think still in a perfect world, the Oilers would love to see McDavid at 1C and Dreisaitl at 2C, really yeah. both driving lines. But, man, when you watch them together, oh, oh my God, my it's, hard to, it's hard to argue yeah. uh, with the results. All right. That's it for this time on Tape to Tape. But we got a big one coming next week, Rory. We are at the quarter mark. Basically, every team, we haven't looked, haven't done the math fully yet. But I have to think by the time we record next week, every team will have played its 20th game. I'm quite Most sure. Most teams are Vancouver's 17 already or 18. Yeah. Vancouver and Anaheim are already at 20 games. Winnipeg, I think, is going to be the last one to get there, maybe New Jersey, but I think most teams will be there by the time we record so next So we'll week. take a real close look at what we've seen, uh, biggest surprises, biggest disappointments, and maybe some predictions for the 20 games ahead after uh, the first quarter of the NHL season is in the books. Quarter of the NHL season in the books. Man, fast. things do clip along here. That is... All the time we have, because time does fly on the tape to tape pod. But make sure you're checking out Rory on Twitter at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on Sports. Find the tape to tape podcast at sportsnet.ca. Subscribe in iTunes and come back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape. Mm-hmm.